0: We took a couple week break, but we are going to return now to the last sermon in our seven part series, Seven Pictures, in which we've been looking at seven pictures based on the seven letters sent to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And so today we are going to be looking at the last letter, the letter to the church of Laodicea. And Jesus saved his his last letter to the seven churches, and for his last letter to the seven churches, Jesus saved his his strongest rebuke. The Bible says in chapter three and verse 14, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered and need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Ellen White said of these words, I earnestly entreat every minister to study diligently the third chapter of Revelation. For in it is portrayed the condition of things existing in the last days. Study carefully every verse. For though, for through these words, Jesus is speaking to you. If ever a people were represented by the Laodicean message, it is the people who have had great light. The revelation of the scriptures that Seventh-day Adventists have received. We're going to take some time to look at this message. Let me outline the rebuke that Jesus just gave. Jesus, in how he describes himself, begins the rebuke. He describes himself as the faithful and the true witness. With the image of Jesus as the faithful witness in mind, the Laodiceans, Christians, are are being indicted for for themselves not being faithful and true witnesses. Jesus is setting himself up as a standard, the faithful and the true witness, and, and then he's addressing a church that is not reflecting that standard. They're being ineffective in their faithful witness. Was it ineffective because, because it was non-existent? Was it ineffective because... It was compromised? Was it ineffective because it was being impeded, whether by themselves or by those within their community? Probably aspects of all three, but but Ellen White points to the latter being of the greatest reason. No man, she said, should keep his foot on the brake to hinder the advancement of the Lord's work. This is talking directly about the, the, the message of Laodicea. The time has come for the people of God to take their light from under the bushel and place it where it will shine forth in clear, distinct rays. Let the Lord's workers go forward and let those who would hinder them get out of the way. Stand out of the way. And then she asked this question. How does your love for sinners compare with the love that Christ has manifested? He died a shameful death to save human beings from perishing. Jesus indicates that the church in the last days will struggle with their love for sinners. Why do we describe it that way? Why do I describe it that way? Because because when we have a love for sinners, when we have a love for people, and we are all sinners, we understand that, but but when we have a love for those that, that are not living in relationship with Jesus Christ, there will be a desire to to share with them, to go to them, to bless them. Jesus says about this church in Laodicea, he says, I know your works that you are, you are neither cold nor hot. He says, would that you were one, would that you were either cold or hot. For years I had, I, I have taught, and I've taught this because it was what I was taught, that Jesus wants us either on fire for him, hot, or cold. And I've always said, well, well Jesus wants us hot because that means we'll be on fire for him or cold because if we're cold then that means we're easier to reach. People that are that are far from God understand their need more greatly. But but I actually think Jesus is saying something else here. I think Jesus is saying he wants us cold or hot with both of these water temperatures being useful, with both of these conditions being useful. Jesus here was using the wretched water of, of the city of Laodicea as a metaphor for the church. He says, because you are lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. Because, because you, are, you are neither hot nor cold, you're not being effective. And he was using this, this, this imagery because it fit within the mindset. The the people of Laodicea understood this imagery because they were living in that world. In nearby Hierapolis, the hot waters, they were were known for their hot waters, their their natural hot water springs. And these springs were used for medicinal purposes. People would go and soak in them and, and, and receive treatments from these hot water springs. And in nearby Colossae, the cold waters were were some of the purest and most drinkable, and they had a life-giving effect. But in Laodicea, the water was just lukewarm, tepid. It wasn't Heropolis, where the water was was hot and able to provide medicinal purposes. It wasn't uh, Colossae, where the water was, was pure and cool and refreshing. Bringing vibrancy to one when they drank it in Laodicea, it was just blah, lukewarm. Showering in lukewarm water is almost worse than showering in, in cold water. You get in and you're excited about having a warm shower, and then you discover that the shower is just lukewarm, and what a disappointment! That is. Drinking lukewarm water is, ugh. Where Pastor Jason and I are from, there's a town by there. It's, it's the town of Hanford and Lemoore, Armona. There's actually several towns there. And, and they have some of the worst water you'd ever imagine. And when you, you drink it, it's, it's just, ugh. You want to spit it out. The chemicals make it a tepid, disgusting kind of, Water. Hot is good. Cold is good. Lukewarm is not so good. And when you drink that lukewarm water, when you, when you, when you pick up a cup and you, or, or maybe I drink a lot of bottled water, I'll have it in my car and I'll go to take a sip and I'll realize that the water is no longer cold and you just want to spit it out. And we do what Jesus said he wanted to do when he thought about the way that the church was being, living. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus wants us to be useful water. People filled with and sharing the living water with others. The church gets to this state that they are in by not realizing their deep need for him. They have gotten to the place where they are are lukewarm because they see themselves as not needing Jesus and his love and his grace in the way that they should. Jesus said, For you say I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing. Now, I don't know that they actually use these words, but this was the way they were living. They were functionally living as if, you know what? We're good, we're content with where we're at. Look around us, we have all we need. We know the truth, we have a beautiful building, we have all we need. I'm rich, I've prospered, I've had need of nothing. This statement from Revelation chapter three and verse 17 is an allusion to Hosea chapter 12 and verse eight. And remember, we talked about this many times. There are so many allusions, hundreds and hundreds of allusions in the book of Revelation. The best way to understand Revelation is to know the rest of the Bible. The best way to understand Revelation is to know especially the Old Testament. And, and there's an allusion here, this, this, this we, are, we are, rich. you think you're rich and in need of nothing. That is a direct allusion from Hosea chapter 12 and verse 8. And listen to what that verse from the Old Testament says. Ephraim has said, ah, but I am rich. I have found wealth for myself. In all my labors, they cannot find in me iniquity or sin. What is Hosea describing? Hosea is describing a people that... Through the comforts of their life, through their position, maybe as as God's children, the children of Israel, a people that, that no longer recognize their own sin, no longer recognize their need for their Savior. Folk, if we are not witnessing as we should, could it be that we have lost sight of how much Jesus has done to save us? Could it be that we've lost sight of of how much Jesus cares and loves us? The reason why I ask that question is because Because when when we recognize how much we need Jesus, then we start to realize how much others need Jesus as well. And it motivates us to share more and more of him with others. How does Jesus describe us? This is the last day church, Laodicea. He says, you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Wretched. Wretched pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, people that are, are doing other things but, but not living out their true calling. I had a few weeks in a row, not too long ago, uh, that I, I was looking at ministry, and I was, I, was, I was frustrated. At the church, we were dealing with some folks squabbling about calendar issues, I was dealing with people wanting to be in person or not be in person. Uh, there was someone that was critical of the style of our worship and, and I was, had received some emails. Why can't we do it like Loma Linda? Or why can't we do it like, like Kettering? Or why can't we do it like Pioneer Memorial Church? And, and, and I lamented to Christina. I said these words to Christina. I said, I didn't get into ministry to deal with any of this. I said, all I wanted to do, I said, all all it was was I was lost and I was found and I wanted to help other lost people get found too. Sometimes in everything else, in our busyness, in in our sinfulness, we forget that that's why we exist. We're lost, and Jesus found us. And now he calls us to find other lost people and help them get found too. Folk, why are you a Christian? Why have you chosen to align yourself with the Seventh-day Adventist movement? Why are you a member of this local body? If it is not for the primary purpose of, of how did Ellen White write it? She said, to take your light from under the bushel and place it where it will shine forth in clear, distinct rays. If that's not the reason why you're a Christian, if that's not the reason why you have aligned yourself with the Seventh-day Adventist movement, if that's not the reason why you are a member of the Spencerville Church, then Jesus says, you are poor, wretched, blind, and naked. Oh, and don't forget pitiable, which I'm not even sure what that means, but it doesn't sound very good. Can we all pause for just a second? Can we pause for a second and do a little bit of self-assessment, analyze our lives, our church, in light of what Jesus is saying in this passage. He says, I am the faithful and true witness. What is he saying? He's saying, this is who you're supposed to be. You're my body, you're supposed to be the faithful and true witness. But what I see is indifference. What I see is tepidness. Does your heartache for the lost? Do you see people in need and and look for ways to help them? Do you know people that that are not in relationship with Jesus and you just long to figure out a way to share Jesus with them? You think about those things. When one is wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked, they don't have a desire to show Jesus. Not if they don't see that that's who they are. If they think they're rich and in need of nothing and they don't recognize their absolute need and dependence upon Jesus, then they don't see a need to share. When you're in a place where you're poor, blind, pitiable, and naked, and wretched, but you think you're rich, there's really only two options. One, as Ellen White described, you need to get out of the way and let the church move ahead with its mission. Or, or the better option, and the one I hope that that we will all choose, the offer of Jesus, which comes from, also from Revelation, in which Jesus said, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may actually be rich and white garments so that you may actually be clothed and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Salve, to anoint your eyes so that you may actually see your need for Jesus and the need of others. Refined gold uh, is gold in which all the impurities are removed. Oftentimes our our desire to let our light shine is, is weak because of the sin maybe that we are holding on to. Uh, the control that we are trying to hold on to in our lives. Jesus tells us to be refined, to be purified, to, to be made new, to be clothed in white garments to is to cover our nakedness. This, this means that we walk in salvation, that we walk in, in the way of salvation, that, that though we are like filthy rags. Jesus covers us and makes us white as snow. And then the last, anointed eyes to see what Jesus sees. And what did Jesus see? Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter nine and verse 37, Jesus was looking out upon the fields and he said, I see a great harvest. but I don't see my body out there trying to reach the harvest. Jesus said, I I see that the harvest is plentiful, but the the laborers, the workers, the the church members are are few. Jesus saw that there are lots of people that need his love, lots of people that need to know his forgiveness, lots of people that need to know his hope, lots of people that need to know his peace and his salvation but few laborers. When I read all three of these appeals from Jesus, here is how I would summarize it. Jesus is calling us to be and to live as saved people. Jesus is calling us to be and to live as saved people. Because here's the truth, folks. Saved people People who know that they were lost and are now found want to share Jesus with others. They might not always know how, but, but they want to. They have a desire. They, they're looking for the opportunities to share Jesus with others. Ponder that, folk. It is not a buzzline. People that are saved people want to share Jesus with others. It is not a buzz line. It is truth. If I am saved, I want others to be saved also. If I'm not saved, then I feel no need to reach out and to share Jesus with others. I hope you get the implication of what I'm saying and and I'm sorry that, that this is That is a harsh word, but it is the truth. Jesus said, tepid makes them sick and want to spit us out. Some of your versions say vomit out of the mouth. Acts chapter 4 and verse 20 states this, for we cannot but speak. And these were the followers of Jesus. So, So the church is exploding And people are being saved. The Bible tells us in those first two chapters of Acts that that daily the Lord is adding to the numbers those that are being saved. And some of those that are being saved and some of those that are saved say, For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Or I like the way the contemporary paraphrase, the message renders that passage. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. Saved people are not tepid. They are not lukewarm. They cannot keep quiet about what they have seen and heard and experienced in the love and the goodness and the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus' rebuke to Laodicea is the strongest in all the letters to all seven churches. There is no rebuke that is stronger than you make me sick and I want to spit you out. But praise Jesus, and I am so thankful for this today, that not only is the strongest rebuke in the last letter, but also is the strongest and the most beautiful picture of love in this last letter as well. Jesus says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. He loves us. He knows who we can be. He knows what we can do for His movement in this world. The letter contains the strongest rebuke, but it also contains the greatest invitation. The invitation that that still calls out to us day after day. An invitation and a promise. An invitation that if we accept, will be refined like gold. An invitation that if we accept, we'll be made as white as snow. An invitation that if we accept, we will see with new eyes the beauty of others and the love of others and the love of our Jesus. The invitation and the beautiful passage is this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You know what's so curious about this passage? Curiously, we use this text to appeal to those outside the church. In every evangelistic meeting that I've ever preached, and I've preached probably a dozen of them now, in every evangelistic meeting I have ever preached, I use this text. Sometimes I use it multiple times in an evangelistic series. You guys have all seen the picture, Jesus standing at the door knocking, and we put that picture on the screen, and, and we, we have the words there. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and we appeal to people that are outside of the church Outside of relationship with Jesus. And we say, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. He wants to welcome you in. And that is true. But but believers, we have lost sight of something. Jesus did not say this to those outside the church. He said this to those in the church. He's saying, you need to open your hearts to me. This is for you. You post it out there for for the unbelievers or for those that are outside the church to hear. But he's saying, I'm coming to you. And though you've made me sick, I still love you. I still want to be in your life. I want to have relationship with you. I want you to open the doors. Of your heart and let me come in. Believers, brothers and sisters, if you've lost sight of who you are and why you exist, the only way to find it again is to renew your relationship with Jesus, to open the door of your heart and to let him come in. Some people have been asking me. Some people have been urging me. Some people have been demanding to us to open the doors of the sanctuary again. But it won't do any good. In fact, it might actually do harm if we open the doors of the sanctuary. And we, during this time, have not first opened the doors Of our hearts. I received an email during COVID in which someone was saying, Pastor, if all the churches are closed, how are we going to share Jesus with anybody? That email broke my heart. Because Jesus tells us if we open the doors of our heart, if we welcome Jesus into our heart, then we will become like Him, the faithful and the true witness. We have no witness without Jesus in our hearts. And as we head into Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful for this passage because it reminds me that though I might get distracted, though you might get distracted, though, though we might have been living outside of who we've been truly called to be. Though we might not be living up to the, to the commission that we have been given to go into the world and share Jesus. That though sometimes we get off course, Jesus is still standing there at the door of our hearts and knocking. And knocking. He wants to come in and eat with us. He wants to have relationships with us, you and me. Folks, it's not about a church. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ and He wants that relationship with you. Jesus loves you so much and He wants a relationship with you more than anything. It's not going to come with the open doors of a church. It's not going to come with a program, it's not gonna come with great music. It happens as we say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Make me hot water to be a medicine, make me cold water to be refreshing. Whatever you want, Jesus, I am all yours. The love of God is so amazing, so powerful that we, we invite Jesus in. That love pours out of us in all we want, all we can think about. is, man, I can't wait to tell someone else about Jesus. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open to you. I thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy, for your love. Sometimes we only rebuke and we forget to give the encouragement. Jesus said, and in this passage, you tell us like, you tell us, I will make you like refined gold. You you need to be white as snow, see with new eyes. But, But none of that is something we have to do. How does it happen? You say, open the door of your heart. And I'll come in and I'll do it. Jesus, when I've lived as a lost person, forgive me. Find me anew. And put me on mission again for you. Lord, if I ever become an impediment to that mission, then move me out of the way. put me aside. Lord, I pray for our church family, some right now, that they will choose the option to open the doors of their hearts. But Lord, if, if they don't want to be a part of that mission, then Lord, in your mercy, move them aside so that we will be a church that will live with such gratitude for the love of Jesus. That all we can think about is, who else can I tell this to? We pray all this in your name, Lord. Amen.